بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما in our last few lessons talking about the seerah of the Prophet وسلم, we went over the Battle of Badr and we went over some details of how that battle took place and we spoke about the great victory that the Muslims had over the disbelievers of the Quraysh and how it wasn't even close the results of this battle were very, very decisive in favor of the Muslims. And the kuffar were handed a very humiliating and severe defeat. So 70 of the leaders of the Quraysh, 70 of the big leaders of the Quraysh, including Abu Jahl, including Utbah ibn Rabi'ah, including very major players from the Quraysh, they were killed, 70 of them, huge number. And 70 of the VIPs of the Quraysh were taken as prisoners of war. Out of these prisoners, the Prophet ﷺ ordered for the execution of two of them. He ordered for the execution of Uqba ibn Abi Mu'ayt and Al-Nadr ibn Al-Harith. Due to the severe enmity and the amount of hardships and distress that they caused for the Prophet and for the Sahaba in Mecca. Uqba ibn Abi Mu'ayt, he is the one who put filth on the back of the Prophet while the Prophet was making sujood. Uqba ibn Abi Mu'ayt, he is the one who at one time tried to choke the Prophet and Abu Bakr intervened and stopped him from doing that. So Uqba ibn Abi Mu'ayt, he was not just an enemy of Islam, but he was one of the harshest and most severe and most, one of the most evil of the enemies of Islam. Even amongst the enemies of Islam, he was one of the worst. Also another Ibn al-Harith, he used to try to distract people away from listening to the Quran when the Prophet would recite the Quran. Another Ibn al-Harith, he would start reading some stories and he would say, just like Muhammad, I have stories too. What I'm telling you, these are stories. And what Muhammad is telling you, that's also stories. So he's tried to distract people or take people away from listening to the Quran in this way. So Uqba ibn Abi Mu'ayyat and another ibn al-Harith, they were from the utmost enemies of Islam. So the Prophet wasallam he ordered for their execution. So they were executed. As for the other prisoners of war, this was a new situation for the Muslims. This is the first time that they had ever been in a situation where they had prisoners of war. So what should we do with these prisoners? So due to the fact that it was a new situation, the Prophet ﷺ, he didn't make a decision immediately. And he decided to 
take rest during the night with his companions and he said to them we'll decide what to do with them tomorrow inshallah we'll decide what to do with the rest of these prisoners tomorrow while they were on their way back to Medina of course they had collected a lot of spoils of the war right the kuffar who had fallen down who had died they had all of their armor and they had their weapons and whatever so the Muslims were able to collect that and these are called the spoils of war so as they were on their way back to Medina some arguments started between different factions of the companions with regards to who should get these spoils of war who should get the wealth from these spoils of war so there was some argumentation that started back and forth between some of the companions and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed that none of you get anything of it this is for Allah and his Rasul and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam will decide how it can be distributed this is for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam to distribute it's not for the companions to decide who gets what this is a decision that belongs to Allah and the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam yas'alunaka 'anil anfal qul al-anfal lillahi wal-rasul they ask you about the spoils of the war say that the spoils of war are for Allah and for his messenger so as human beings of course you know they saw all of this and they wanted a piece of it and they were human beings so they had these desires just like other human beings have for wealth so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed this so that they wouldn't they wouldn't think that they have the right to determine who gets it and who doesn't get it this is something for Allah and his messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam so because of that argumentation that started one of the companions he said nazalat qadiyatul amr bil ghanaim lamma sa'at akhlaquna that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent these rules regarding the spoils of the war when our akhlaq became bad we were arguing and fighting over who should get what so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said say that the anfal say that the spoils of war are for Allah and for his messenger so that was the decision regarding the spoils of the war as for the prisoners as we mentioned the Prophet said okay let us rest tonight and we will decide what to do with them tomorrow so the prisoners they were tied up so they couldn't escape but of course they were accompanying the Muslim army on their way back to Medina so they could hear when the time of prayer came and when the time for the Salah came and the Prophet ﷺ, he would lead his companions in Salah the prisoners were right there so even though they were tied up they could hear the prayer they could hear the recitation of the Prophet ﷺ. so that night at the time of Salatul Maghrib the Prophet ﷺ, he led the prayer and he recited in, in Maghrib Salah Surah At-Tur Wa-Tur Wa-Kitabim Mastur Fi Raqqim Manshur Wal-Baytil Ma'mur Wal-Saqfil Marfu' Wal-Bahril Masjur Inna Azaba Rabbika Lawaqi' Ma Lahu Min Dafi' Yawma Tamuru Al-Samaa'u Mawra وَتَسِيرُ الْجِبَالُ سَيْرًا فَوَيْلٌ يَوْمَئِذٍ لِلْمُكَذِّبِينَ الَّذِينَ هُمْ فِي خَوْضٍ يَلْعَبُونَ يَوْمَ يُدَعُّونَ إِلَى نَارِ جَهَنَّمَ دَعًّا 
هذه النار التي كنتم بها تكذبون and he continued to recite the surah so one of the prisoners Jubair ibn Mut'im he was one of the prisoners of the Quraysh and he was one of the VIPs of the Quraysh and he was taken prisoner during the battle of Badr he listened to the recitation of the Prophet that recitation of Surah At-Tur and he was mesmerized by it he said this is ajeeb this is amazing so the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala recited by the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam it penetrated the heart of Jubair ibn Mut'im at that point and he said at that point Islam entered my heart so he accepted Islam he actually became a Muslim and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam set him free so the night came and it was time to sleep so the Sahaba they slept and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam he went to bed as well to sleep and a few of the companions were assigned night duty to guard the prisoners and to make sure that everything stays safe so a few of the companions were on that night duty so they were staying awake and the rest of the companions slept and the Prophet ﷺ also went to his bed in order to sleep but the Prophet ﷺ couldn't sleep that night he wasn't able to sleep so he got up in the middle of the night he got out of bed in the middle of the night and those guards those Sahaba who were stationed as the night guards they saw the Prophet ﷺ up and awake in the middle of the night and they said to him Ya Rasulullah why are you awake? Why aren't you sleeping? And the Prophet ﷺ said, I couldn't sleep because I could hear the moaning of my uncle Abbas. Abbas radiallahu anhu. At that time he hadn't accepted Islam and he was one of the prisoners that was taken at the Battle of Badr, the uncle of the Prophet. ﷺ. And he was tied up as well, like the other prisoners. And because of the tightness of the rope, there was some discomfort. So Abbas was in some pain and he was making some moaning sounds like, oh, oh. and the Prophet ﷺ, he could hear this. And out of compassion for his uncle, he couldn't sleep hearing that. So he got up and he told those who asked him, he said, this is why I couldn't sleep because I'm hearing the moaning of my uncle Abbas. So out of respect for the Prophet ﷺ, not only did they just loosen the rope around Abbas, rather they set him free. They completely untied him and they let him free. Out of respect to the Prophet ﷺ. So look at the love that the companions had for the Prophet ﷺ. They couldn't bear to see him in any type of discomfort. And they knew that his uncle feeling this pain was causing discomfort to the Prophet ﷺ and the companions they couldn't they couldn't have that they couldn't see their Prophet ﷺ in any type of pain or any type of discomfort so they, they actually set Al-Abbas free and Umar ibn Al-Khattab is the one who untied Al-Abbas ibn Abdul Muttalib out of respect and out of honor and out of love for the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. They loved him more than they loved their own selves. They would rather take pain upon themselves than see the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in any type of pain. So Al-Abbas Radiallahu he was set free in this way. 
So the night went by and the next day came. And the Prophet ﷺ now he had to make a decision with regards to what to do with these prisoners. What should we do with these prisoners? So he decided to take advice from his companions. So the first one he asked for advice was his closest companion, Abu Bakr He said, Ya Abu Bakr, what do you think we should do with these prisoners? And Abu Bakr he said, Ya Rasulullah, they are our close relatives. We are all related. They are from the Quraysh, we are from the Quraysh, so we are all interrelated. Also, we need the money. The situation here in Medina is that most of the people are very poor. If we ransom them, then we can collect a lot of money and that will be beneficial for us and for the people of Medina. And also, maybe if we let them go, who knows, maybe in the future, they might accept Islam. Maybe they will become Muslims. So this was the reasoning of Abu Bakr Let's take ransom for them. Let's not kill them. Let's just take ransom. And inshallah, this will be something that's beneficial for us. And hopefully beneficial for them as well. So this was the advice of Abu Bakr The Prophet listened. And then he turned to Umar ibn al-Khattab And he said, Ya Umar, what do you think? And Umar said, I'm not going to say what Abu Bakr said. I don't agree with what Abu Bakr said. Rather, I say, we should strike their necks one by one. Kill them one by one. Don't spare any of them. And not just kill them, but each one of us should kill our relatives amongst them. So each one of us, yeah, we have relatives from amongst these prisoners. So you command each person to kill their relative. So command Ali to kill Aqil. Command me to kill my relative. Command this person to kill his relative. Everyone should kill their own relatives. And this will be making a big statement to the kuffar of the Quraysh that we have no compassion and we have no mercy for you. It is all harshness against you because you are the heads of kufr. And you don't deserve any mercy. So this was what Umar bin al-Khattab advised. He said, Ya Rasulullah, these people are the heads of kufr. We can't just let them live. They don't deserve to live. We should kill them all one by one. So a very drastic difference in what Abu Bakr said and what Umar bin al-Khattab said. And the Prophet وسلم, after listening to both of them, he said to Abu Bakr, مَثَلُكَ يَا أَبَا بَكَرْ كَمَثَلِ إِبْرَاهِيمِ Your example, O Abu Bakr, is like the example of Ibrahim salam. When Ibrahim salam said, فَمَنْ تَبِعَنِي فَإِنَّهُ مِنِّي وَمَنْ عَصَانِي فَإِنَّكَ غَفُورٌ رَحِيمٌ Ibrahim salam, he said, Whoever follows me, he is from me. And whoever disobeys me, then you, Ya Allah, you are ghafoor and rahim. You are the most forgiving and the most merciful. So he said, Ya Abu Bakr, your example is like the example of Abu Bakr. And also your example is like the example of Isa alayhi salam. Your example is like Ibrahim alayhi salam. And your example is also like Isa alayhi salam. When Isa alayhi salam said, In tu'adhibuhum fa innahum ibaduk. وَإِن تَغْفِرْ لَهُمْ فَإِنَّكَ أَنْتَ الْعَزِيزُ الْحَكِيمُ Ya Allah, if you forgive them, then they are your servants. 
Ya Allah, if you punish them, then they are your servants. And Ya Allah, if you forgive them, then surely you are the most mighty and the most wise. So this was similar to what Abu Bakr said. So he said, your example, Ya Abu Bakr, is like the example of Ibrahim and like the example of Isa And then he said to Umar your example, Mathaluka Ya Umar, Kamathali Nuh. Your example is like the example of Nuh, Ya Umar. When Nuh السلام, said regarding his people, he made dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Rabbi, la tadhar ala al-ardi min al-kafirina dayyara. And also, Ya Umar, your example is like the example of Musa alayhi salam. When Musa alayhi salam said, Rabba natmis ala amwalihim washdud ala qulubihim fala yu'minu hatta yarawu al-adhab al-alim. So Nuh alayhi salam, he asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to destroy all of the kuffar. And the result of that was the flood that destroyed all of the kuffar in the time of Nuh alayhi salam. Musa alayhi salam asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to destroy the Fir'aun and his people. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala drowned the Fir'aun and his people. So two different ways. Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu was similar to Ibrahim alayhi salam and Isa alayhi salam. Whereas Umar bin al-Khattab radiallahu anhu, he was similar to Nuh alayhi salam and Musa alayhi salam. And this is what the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam told them. So after listening to both of them, the Prophet ﷺ leaned towards the opinion and the advice of Abu Bakr And he decided to take ransom for the prisoners that they had taken. And when the Prophet ﷺ made this decision, Umar ibn al-Khattab, he submitted. Umar ibn al-Khattab, he would never argue with a decision made by the Messenger of Allah ﷺ. No way. Submit. We hear and we obey. So he submitted to the command of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. But he did say to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, Ya Rasulullah, at least let us kill Suhail ibn Amr. Suhail ibn Amr, he is the khatib of the Quraysh. He is the one who is their spokesperson. And it is known, Ya Rasulullah, that he would say bad things about you and bad things about Islam and bad things about the Muslims. So that he doesn't continue doing that when he goes back to Mecca. If we let him go, if we take ransom for him and we let him go back to Mecca, maybe he will continue to speak against you, Ya Rasulullah, and speak against Islam. So let us kill him. And the Prophet ﷺ said, Da'hu Ya Umar, leave it Ya Umar. And then Umar ibn Khattab he said, okay, Ya Rasulullah, we won't kill him, but at least let me break his teeth. I'll break all of his teeth so he can't talk. So he can't say anything against you anymore, Ya Rasulullah. And the Prophet again said, Da'hu Ya Umar, leave it Ya Umar. Perhaps, perhaps one day, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring benefit to the Muslims through Suhail ibn Amr. Perhaps that day will come. And alhamdulillah, in the future, Suhail ibn Amr, he accepted Islam and he became a very good Muslim. Anhu wa so this was what the Prophet ﷺ decided to do with these prisoners, to take ransom for them. So he decided to take ransom for a number of the prisoners. Some prisoners he allowed 
to be freed without any ransom, but he took a promise from them that if in the future there is ever any type of battle between the Muslims and the non-Muslims, that they have to promise that they would not participate in this battle. So they agreed to that. A number of them agreed and they were allowed to go without paying any ransom. For so, so for some of them he took ransom, for some of them he took this agreement. For some of them he said to them, uh, if you cannot pay the ransom, your ransom is that you have to teach 10 Muslims how to read and how to write. And this shows the importance that the Prophet ﷺ put upon education. If you can't pay the ransom, if no one can pay the ransom for you, then your ransom is teaching 10 Muslims to read and to write. And once they learn to read and, and write, you are free. So the Prophet ﷺ made these types of arrangements regarding the prisoners that were taken at the Battle of Badr. From the prisoners was Al Abu al-As ibn Rabi'ah. From the prisoners that were taken on the day of Badr was a man named Abu al-As ibn Rabi'ah. And who was Abu al-As ibn Rabi'ah? He was the husband of Zainab bint Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Abu al-As was the husband of the daughter of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he was one of the prisoners that was taken on the day of Badr. Now, of course, at that time, the ruling prohibiting Muslim women from marrying anyone who's not a Muslim, that ruling had not been revealed yet. Later on, of course, there was an ayah that was revealed prohibiting Muslim women to marry anyone except Muslim men. But up to this point, that ruling was not revealed. So Abu al-As ibn Rabi' was the husband of Zainab bint Rasulillah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he was one of the prisoners that was taken on that day. So Zainab, she sent a necklace that she had in order to ransom her husband. So that, that, that necklace was presented as a ransom for Abu al-As ibn Rabi' So they freed him. They freed Abu al-As ibn Rabi' and they returned that necklace as well. They didn't take that necklace out of respect and honor to the Prophet This is the daughter of Rasulullah This is the necklace of the daughter of Rasulullah How can we take this as a ransom? So they let him go and they returned that necklace as well out of respect for the Messenger of Allah But a condition was put upon Abu al-As ibn Rabi' that he has to allow Zainab to make hijrah to Medina. He has to allow Zainab to make hijrah to Medina and he agreed to that and he actually let Zainab make hijrah to Medina. So this was how the Prophet dealt with the prisoners that were taken on the day of Badr. And that happened during the day. Now the next day, the next day, Umar ibn al-Khattab he comes out and he sees the Prophet and Abu Bakr together crying together. He comes out and he sees the Prophet and Abu Bakr crying together. And he asks them, what is making you cry? Why are you crying? Tell me why you are crying. And if it is something to cry about, then I will cry with you. And if it is something not to cry about, then I will still cry because you are crying. So tell me what it is that you are crying about. And then the Prophet ﷺ informed Umar ibn al-Khattab that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had sent down some verses of the Qur'an reprimanding them, rebuking them for 
making the decision to accept ransom for the kuffar of the Quraysh. Rather, the correct decision would have been to kill all of them. مَا كَانَ لِنَبِيٍّ أَنْ يَكُونَ لَهُ أَسْرَى حَتَّى يُثْخِينَ فِي الْأَرْضِ So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed this ayah that the correct thing to do would have been to kill all of them at this stage in Islam. This is the first battle in Islam. And these were the heads of kufr who had tortured the Muslims for 13 years. This was not a time for compassion. This was a time to show strength. This was a time to show strength, not to show mercy upon them. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reprimanded them for making that decision. And that's why the Prophet and Abu Bakr were crying. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not punish them for making that decision because he didn't send a command that you have to kill all of them. He didn't send a command before that, that whatever prisoners you get, you have to kill all of them. So they didn't actually disobey a commandment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rebuked them saying that they should have made the decision to kill them, to show the strength and to show the power of the Muslims and not to show compassion to these people who did not, <laughs> who did not deserve compassion. But now that it had already been done, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgave it. So this is why Abu Bakr radiallahu an and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam were crying. And there are many instances actually, and we'll go over these, inshallah, as the time comes along. There are many instances where the opinion of Umar ibn al-Khattab was confirmed by revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is one of those occasions. Anyways, the news of the battle of Badr and this great victory for the Muslims, it spread all over the Arabian Peninsula. This shocking defeat of the Kuffar and this amazing victory for the Muslims, the news of it, it spread all over the Arabian Peninsula and even beyond the Arabian Peninsula. It also spread to Al-Habasha, Ethiopia. And you know about the Najashi and we spoke about him before in detail. The Najashi had accepted Islam but he didn't make it public. He believed in Islam, but he didn't make it public. So when the news of the victory of the Muslims at the Battle of Badr, when it reached Al-Habasha, when it reached Ethiopia and the Najashi heard of it, he was very happy. He was very happy. So he, he sent for Ja'far ibn Abi Talib and the Muslims who were there in Al-Habasha. He, he called for them to come and meet him. So they came and they met him. And when they entered upon him, he was not sitting on his throne, rather he was sitting on the ground. He was sitting on the earth without even a pillow under him. And he was wearing some tattered, worn out clothes, not like a king. So when they entered upon him and they saw him like this, they said to him, why are you sitting on the floor and why are you wearing this type of worn out clothes? It's not like a king to dress like this or to sit like this. And then the Najashi said, I learned from the deen, from the religion of Isa alayhi salam, that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you a blessing, when you hear some good news that you have to be thankful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and show humility to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Show humbleness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala out of gratefulness and thankfulness 
for this blessing. And that is why I am sitting on the ground and I am wearing these clothes to show my humility and my gratitude towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is similar to what we do when we get a ni'mah. Shukr. When you, when you get some good news, you put your face on the ground, showing humility to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and showing gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is similar to what the Najashi did. And then he told them, I am thankful, alhamdulillah, that this news has reached me that the Muslims were victorious against the kuffar of the Quraysh in this great battle of Badr. So the Muslims, Ja'far ibn Abi Talib and the other Muslims who were there in Habasha, they were very pleased and very happy with this good news. Also, around this time, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed some amazing ayat regarding some people who had accepted Islam in Mecca. They had accepted Islam in Mecca. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said about them in the Quran that they are from the people of Jahannam. How is this? There were some people who had accepted Islam in Mecca, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed ayat of the Quran about them being in Jahannam. How is this and why is this? Who were these people? They were Al-Harith ibn Zum'ah ibn Al-Aswad, Ali ibn Umayyah ibn Khalaf, Abu Al-Qais ibn Al-Fakih, Abu Al-Qais ibn Al-Walid ibn Al-Mughira, and Abu Al-As ibn Munabbih ibn Hajjaj. These were five young men from the Quraysh who had accepted Islam in Mecca. But under pressure from their families, under extreme pressure from their families, they hid their Islam or they actually pretended to renounce Islam. They had accepted Islam, but when they faced this immense pressure from their families, they said, okay, we, we renounce Islam, even though they still believed in Islam in their hearts. Because they didn't want to deal with the torture and the adab that their family would give them for accepting Islam. So they renounced Islam outwardly, but they still believed it in their heart. Okay, and this is something that is understandable. If you are under extreme pressure or if you're under extreme punishment or torture, then you can say a word of kufr as long as your heart is firm upon iman. إِلَّا مَنْ أُكْرِهَا وَقَلْبُهُ مُطْمَئِنٌ بِالْإِيمَانِ So it's understandable what they did. But it didn't stop at that. They took it too far. When the time for the battle of Badr came, these five young men, they actually went out alongside with the army of the kuffar. And they fought against the Muslims with the army of the kuffar. Okay, this is too much. This is taking it too far. Even if you have to hide Islam because of fear of being killed or fear of being tortured, there are limits to that. You cannot go so far as to join the army of the disbelievers and fight against the Muslims. That's taking it too far. And there is no excuse for that. There's no excuse for that. But these five young men, they actually joined the army of the kuffar at Badr and they fought against the Muslims on that day. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed regarding these people, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ تَوَفَّاهُمُ الْمَلَائِكَةُ ظَالِمِي أَنفُسِهِمْ قَالُوا فِيمَا كُنْتُمْ قَالُوا كُنَّا مُسْتَضْعَفِينَ فِي الْأَرْضِ Surely the people whom the angels take their souls at the time of death and these people they wronged themselves they did vulm on themselves 
and they will be asked, Who were you amongst? And then they will say, We were the mustad'afina fil ard. We were weak. We didn't have power. We were afraid. And our families were torturing us and they put so much pressure on us. So we had to do this. So this would be their excuse. We were weak and we had, we had no choice in this matter. But the reply to that will be, They will be asked, Wasn't the earth of Allah, the land of Allah, wasn't it big enough for you to make hijrah? Couldn't you have left and made hijrah? So these people, their abode will be Jahannam and what an evil place it is, subhanAllah. So even if you have fear and you have to hide Islam, there may be some situations where you have to do that or some people may have to do that and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to keep us away from such situations. But even in those situations, there are limits that you cannot cross. And fighting with a disbelieving army against the Muslims, this is one of those limits that there is no excuse to cross it, no matter what the situation is. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us benefit through the seerah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, through these beautiful accounts of the stories that happened in his life. And inshallah next week we will continue with the biography of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wallahu alam wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. <coughs>